But what I'm saying, my message to our, you mob, everybody, South Australia, all these mob, they got to bring that uranium. You got to go through your mob's country. You got to go in the sea. You got to go on your train. You got to go on your trucks. Uh, there's no, not a safe way to travel uranium. If you have a spillage, wherever it is, that country's poison. Like a Marilyn bomb mob. That uranium lays there for, the radiation lays there for a long time. I think putting all those things together, I don't think it's too much to say that there's a nuclear war being waged against Aboriginal people and the latest manifestation of that is this so-called Royal Commission. And this is people power can actually work to stop this because we don't need that poison again. We've had it once. And when I speak about we, I'm not just talking about me and my family. I'm talking about all of you. Because in the end, if we lose and that nuclear stuff comes back to South Australia, you all lose. We all lose. Hello, you're listening to Earth Matters, produced in the studios of 3CR in Melbourne and broadcast on the community radio network around Australia. We're bringing you environmental and social justice stories. I'm Jem Rommeld. In February 2015, the South Australian Premier Jay Weatherall announced a royal commission into the future role of the nuclear industry in South Australia. While SA is this country's most radioactive state, the global context is one of an industry in decline. More and more countries are phasing out nuclear power. The magical Generation 4 reactors are still not commercially viable, probably never will be, and the problems of radioactive waste and nuclear weapons still loom large or maybe enormous. So what is the purpose of this commission? Is this a push to expand the industry or is it another attempt to butter up the South Australian public for a radioactive waste dump? Comprising the head of the commission is Rear Admiral Kevin Scarce, along with a panel stacked with three nuclear advocates and one nuclear critic. The commission is about six months in and has released a round of issues papers. Now is the time for public input. However, the Commission has put up barriers to public participation by requiring submissions are typed and signed by Justice of the Peace. This seriously disadvantages people living remotely and who don't have access to computers, and it's not usually required by Royal Commissions. If the process of the Commission doesn't respect the voices of traditional owners living on country, then I doubt the end result will. To make your own submission, you'll find everything you need at the website of the Conservation Council of South Australia. Please head to all the w's.conservationsa.org.au slash nuclear. For now, let's hear the thoughts of Auntie Sue Coleman-Hasseldine, Kukatha Muller woman from Sejuna, Uncle Kevin Buzzacott, Arabana Elder, and Dr Jim Green, National Nuclear Free Campaigner at Friends of the Earth. Their talks were recorded around the sacred fire at the recent Students of Sustainability Conference on Ghana land at Flinders Uni in Adelaide. Auntie Sue will tell us about her family's experience of nuclear testing, followed by Uncle Kev and Jim Green. Right, Maralinga. I guess everybody's heard of Maralinga. When I first started going to Anforth, there was an old Aboriginal man who came up to me and apologised to me for the damage that was done on my country because the uranium came from his. And I felt really sad about that because he didn't have any say in it. 
But when the bomb went off, it didn't just stay over Maralinga, as the government would like us to believe, because they couldn't control the winds. So that all, that, all that dust, radioactive dust, travelled around Australia, probably even further, I don't know. But I can remember my older people talking about the Nullarbor dust storm. There's a dust storm coming. No, you kids, get inside. That's Bathanu, Bathanu. That's poison. So what we thought was another board dust storm was actually the Maralinga dust coming towards us. Now myself, I've had my thyroid removed and after listening to one of the doctors on nuclear, how, how it works, my children, it's missed them, but it's got my grandchild. At 15 years old, she had thyroid problems. Gloria's not well. So, you know, it's like it skipped that generation that they warned us might do and getting the grannies. I felt pretty bad because I was teaching them how to live off the land, not realising that I was probably feeding them contaminated food anyway. But that doctor said, well, you can't do anything about it, just keep going. Keep your culture strong, keep your kids active out there in the bush. And now from all of that at Maralinga and the mining of uranium, we now got this waste coming back to Australia. Boom, there, there goes South Australia again. We, we mine the stuff, we export the stuff, so we should look after their waste. But no government ever bothered to ask me what I thought about that. Or did they ask anybody for that matter? They just made, it, made a plan that we would look after the waste when it was needed to be looked after. But even though the Royal Commission has gone out to com country and spoken to people, they may get to put it on somewhere or they may think they're going to put it somewhere. But they've got to get past us first. You know, there's got to be a nuclear highway. They've got to come through the deep sea ports. And this is people power can actually work to stop this because we don't need that poison again. We've had it once. And when I speak about we, I'm not just talking about me and my family, I'm talking about all of you. Because in the end, if we lose and that nuclear stuff comes back to South Australia, you all lose. We all lose. And there'll be really, can you imagine your kids living in fear of a nuclear explosion? Even though we're assured that accidents don't happen and just ignore Fukushima and Chernobyl, they probably didn't happen. <coughs> but just be aware that we need to fight this and it just not just started at Maralinga, well, no, it started in the mines, went to Maralinga, and now it's everywhere, all over us. Whatever we do, there's going to be a nuclear threat hanging over us. So if we can band together somehow and stop this poison from causing any more damage to the humans, let alone the poor animals, who totally get ignored, we'd have a better world, and our kids would be happier, healthier. The Great Artesian Basin wouldn't have to be drained of water for the um, Olympic Dam and Roxby Mines, so there'd be plenty of water to go around. Like, I'm not a scientist, but I reckon that if you drain anything under the ground, you're going to kill what's on top. That makes sense to me. I don't know whether it makes sense to the scientists, but when they say, oh, we're just getting it out of one basin, Without connections to land, we know that all the waters underneath the ground connect. They connect somewhere along the line. That's the storylines. 
So if they drain this one over here, they've actually drained that one as well. So it's not just saying we're doing this one only. They're already causing all that other damage. So, I don't know, maybe I'd better pass it over to Uncle Kev, but keep in mind that we cannot afford to let our government, even though I think this Royal Commission is a smokescreen for the federal government, two different agendas, they reckon, but no, I think this is just shutting us up, keeping us busy while we worry about what the state government is doing so federal can go ahead and do what it wants anyway. So it's up to us to keep an eye on the whole bloody lot of them. That was Annie Sue Common Hasseldine discussing the legacy that the nuclear industry has already left in South Australia. Next up, we'll hear from Uncle Kevin Buzzacott, Arabana Elder and President of the Australian Nuclear Free Alliance. Everybody should know by now what's a uranium. It's not a, it's not a fruit salad or it's not a baby food. It's the opposite. But we know, all people know, that all that, all the minerals is come from a sacred place. We've been trying to tell people for years and ever, telling them forever, don't touch that country because that poison, uh, it'll come back and bite you and make us all sick and you're going to kill us all. Uranium, don't care who you kill. You can be a big tough person or whatever person or any colour person, it kill you quick. Sometimes it kill you a long time. And uh, then when you dig it up, some of the old people before was telling that mob, don't touch that place. And uh, it's not like other things you can use and then when you finish with it, it's gone or something else. You can chuck it away. But this one, they got a leftover they call the waste. And that's more deadly when it's after. It's more deadly than uh, the whatever. So our old people, we know all that. We, we might have a different name. We don't call them uranium. We call them different names. And... Uh, <coughs> So, some of us been out there fighting that uranium issue now for a long time. Not only that, we've been, you know, fighting about country and all that stuff. A lot of that area up there is under in the prohibited area. Uh, the Woomba Rocket Range, Maryland, all them places, you've got to get permits and everything to go there. So we can't always keep up. We're trespassing if we go on them places. Same with them pastoral leases. And where they don't want you to go, you're trespassing. Uh, I say, no, you trespassing. No, no, you trespassing. Okay. Anyhow, so we got all that red tape system that uh, they do to stop us. But we don't care, we still go through bolt cutter. Bolt cutters and all that we use, pliers, anything. Uh, and we get a lot of our mob up there, we do tours. Uh, 
friends are there. Just did a big tour up there all the way. And we do that every whatever, all that. And uh, we trying to spread the message all the time. People like myself, we drag our body, we piggyback on conferences and gatherings or whatever because we haven't, we're not equipped or resourced enough to run our own gathering. So every time there's a, some sort of a gathering and talk, we piggyback on that so we go there so we can try to explain to other people. And uh, the people crying for country, crying for taking sides and crying for one another when people passing on. A lot of sickness up there. You're listening to Earth Matters, bringing you environmental and social justice stories. This show is produced in the studios of 3CR Radio on Wurundjeri land and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. Let's get back on Uncle Kevin Buzzacott's wavelength as he tells us about the nuclear industry in Australia and what we need to do to stop expansion in its tracks. I'm lucky to be here. Other people younger than me and older than me got cancer and everything they're going for virus. But I'm just saying I'm lucky too. I beat the cancer so far. But uh, the thing that's going to kill me is native title. My own people are the going to kill me, not the cancer. Cancer, I beat cancer. Easy. And uh, dragging uh, your energy out of you, sucking the life out of you, all that stuff. All the water from the old lake and old band springs now and some of the mob did the rad tour uh, a couple of days ago they just got here and they've been up there when they were younger and everything seen the water some of them water gone right down there and uh, we already lost a few before because the water they're using 42 or 38 or something million litres per day they take from the old Lake Air Basin and it's a sacred water too that uh, and they take it over there in the sacred country over there they use all that to millions of litres to separate the uranium and the gold and all that stuff and they stack it in the tailing dam over there. So have a look, it's there. Talk to these mob, get your contacts, how you want to know what uranium is and what it's about. A few years ago, the old girls, they threatened to dump waste up there. So we stopped that. Uh, then, uh, they passed it up to Muckety. So we went up to Muckety and we stopped the waste dump at Muckety. And now, uh, next couple of months or couple of weeks, our information, these my body, these mother mob got information when it's going to come out. They're going to announce South Australian government 
uh, going to announce that the waste is coming back to South Australia. They're going to announce where they're going to dump the waste. This is not just local waste, this is international waste. They offer people millions and billions of dollars uh, to put it on their land. And a lot of people up there putting their hands up. Yeah, put it on my land. Yeah, I got a big land. No worries. Yeah. So they're all singing out. So we're waiting for that. Soon as we know, soon as we get the information, we'll let your mob know. And soon as uh, our mob are going to, as soon as we know what they're going to do and whether we gather or go and do action or whatever, we'll let you know. And the same for the whole country. When the whole country calls, we got to go. That was Uncle Kevin Buzzacott, Arabana Elder, talking at the Students of Sustainability Conference in Adelaide. Uncle Kev has been resisting BHP Billiton's Olympic Dam uranium mine since its beginning, and its water usage of 37 million litres a day has depleted the natural springs on his country. He has done a call-out for a gathering at the gates of Olympic Dam in June 2016 called The Lizard Bites Back, so stay tuned for more details. Next up, Dr Jim Green, National Nuclear Campaigner with Friends of the Earth, will give a rundown of where this Royal Commission is going and why we should expect more radioactive racism from any expansion of the industry in Australia and beyond. Um, hi everyone and thanks to the Elders. Um, can I encourage people to have a look at a couple of papers on the Conservation Council of SA's website? One's a long, a long paper about all these issues arising in the Royal Commission, uranium mining, uranium enrichment, nuclear power, nuclear waste dumps. <coughs> and the other paper is uh, by uh, renewable energy experts at University of New South Wales and they've done a detailed paper on South Australia's renewable energy options and how we can get to 100% renewables in uh, a short space of time, which is easily the best argument against nuclear power. Um, so I'll just talk briefly about two of the main problems with uh, the whole nuclear fuel chain and the two reasons that motivate me to have worked on these issues for so long. One is a connection to weapons of mass destruction and the other is the industry's racism. So to take those in turn, um, if you look at the ten countries that have produced nuclear weapons, five did so under cover of their supposedly peaceful nuclear programs. And Australia's only had one serious push for nuclear power and that was in the late 60s and the Prime Minister at the time was John Gorton who later acknowledged quite openly that there was a hidden weapons ag agenda driving that plan for a nuclear power reactor. And um, these WMD weapons of mass destruction problems, they also apply to Australia's uranium industries. So we export uranium to nuclear weapons states, we export uranium to countries that refuse to sign the test ban treaty, we sell uranium to dictatorships and to countries with a recent history of, of covert weapons research. It's unbelievably irresponsible and it just gets worse and worse. So their next great idea is to sell uranium to India which refuses to sign the non-proliferation treaty, refuses to sign the test ban treaty and is actively building up its nuclear weapons arsenal. So, I mean, and they say that India is a responsible nuclear weapons state. So it's just unbelievable. And, um, yeah, so that whole weapons of mass destruction problem is a really powerful reason to oppose this industry. And there's a so-called 
safeguard system which is meant to provide a firewall between the peaceful nuclear industry and, and weapons production. Um, but this safeguard system falls a very long way short of being a firewall. It's, um, it revolves around periodic inspections of some nuclear plants and that's really it. And uh, recently there was a, a, a strikingly honest head of the agency responsible for safeguards, which is the International Atomic Energy Agency, or the IAEA. And the head of the IAEA was Mohammed El-Baradai, and he said that uh, the ba their basic inspection rights are fairly limited, that the safeguard system suffers from vulnerabilities, that efforts to tighten the safeguard system have been half-hearted and that they run the safeguard system on a budget comparable to a local police department. So, you know, that's a good summary of the reality, but the rhetoric you hear from industry and government is that strict safeguards ensure peaceful use of Australian uranium, which is just a big fat lie. So that's enough on weapons proliferation. And... Um, on the industry's racism, firstly uranium mining, you look at WA where uh, the already piss-weak Aboriginal Heritage Act is being gutted at the behest of the mining industry. Uh, look to South Australia, the Olympic Dam or Roxby Downs uranium mine enjoys a, a whole heap of exemptions from the South Australian Aboriginal Heritage Act, which is already piss-weak legislation and Olympic Dam doesn't have to uh, uh, comply with it. Uh, Beverly, they haven't enacted laws to allow the Beverly mine to go ahead because they've already got racist laws out there and it's it's the Native Title Act and the company mining out there has, has skillfully used the Native Title Act to uh, manipulate the situation and manipulate traditional owners and to drive a wedge right through the middle of traditional owners. So very effective divide and rule tactics. So what they've got out there now is a uranium mine and a divided community with a, a rival elders group and an extraordinary amount of bitterness and division in that community caused and created by a uranium mining company using the Native Title Act. In the Northern Territory, uh, they've got uh, legislation called the Aboriginal Land Rights Act which allows traditional owners a right of veto over mining and other developments. But... For the range of uranium mine, the legislation was changed so that Mirai traditional owners had no right of veto over Ranger. And in New South Wales, they've just opened it up for uranium exploration and um, they've uh, allowed the uranium exploration to, uh, to be exempt from the New South Wales Aboriginal Heritage Act. Absolutely no logical rationale behind that, but that's what industry asks for and that's what governments are prepared to give them. And same sort of problems with nuclear waste dumping. And Maralinga is a classic case study where they've had four clean-ups of the nuclear waste at Maralinga and the latest one was in the late 1990s under the Howard government. And um, it was an absolute shambles from start to finish and so much so that two of the scientists who were working on that project uh, became whistleblowers and they put a massive amount of information on the public record and one of those scientific whistleblowers was a guy called Alan Parkinson, who's a nuclear engineer, and he became an advisor to the Maralinga Jarrett traditional owners, as well as becoming a whistleblower. And he summed up the so-called clean-up of Maralinga by saying that it was a cheap and nasty solution that wouldn't be accepted on whitefellas' land. You can also see racism and nuclear waste dumps coming together with the Cooper Pedy Kunga Judy. 
and uh, none of the Kungajuda, none of the traditional owners wanted nuclear waste on their land for obvious reasons, but the Howard government persisted and was determined for six long years to make that happen. And they passed legislation which extinguished native title rights at the stroke of a pen. Uh, there's extraordinary stuff that came out through Freedom of Information where they're coming up with glossy brochures to sell this idea of a nuclear waste dump and the federal government tells the graphic designers to get rid of the hills in the background of this glossy brochure because hills are significant for traditional owners and that sort of stuff. It's unbelievable. But, of course, um, this isn't all just a, a one-way street. I mean, governments and industry are incredibly racist, but... Uh, traditional owners fight back and they get allies from the environment movement and from church groups and from councils and sometimes from state governments and have some wins and the Kungas won big big time that was an incredibly significant victory for a bunch of elderly women against the might and determination of the Howard federal government and then others have talked about the Muckety waste dump and it was the same and plans for waste dumps elsewhere in, uh, in the NT including Mount Everard and again a really bitter, ugly fight from an incredibly racist government, but traditional owners eventually won that one. I just wanted to point out legislation that was enacted by both the Liberal and Labor governments over the past 10 years, which specifically allows allows the imposition of nuclear waste dumps on Aboriginal land with no consultation and no consent... So it doesn't really get any more blatant or any more racist than that, and yet that's recent legislation with bipartisan support at the federal level in Australia. Um, so I think putting all those things together, I don't think it's too much to say that there's a nuclear war being waged against Aboriginal people, and the latest manifestation of that is this so-called Royal Commission. And for us, you know, there's a war going on, and we can either be part of the solution or part of the problem. You've been listening to Earth Matters on the Community Radio Network with Jem Rommeld. A big thanks to the wise words of Auntie Sue Common Hasseldine, Uncle Kevin Buzzacott, and Jim Green, who are all holding the fort in South Australia against a pro nuclear parade. The show will go on and is likely to come up with recommendations for a radioactive waste dump in South Australia. That battle has been fought and won already, so it's now appropriate to dub this commission a royal waste of time and resources. If you are able to put your two cents in from wherever you are across the country, please do. Head to www.conservationsa.org.au slash nuclear to find all of the information you need to put in a cracker submission. Earth Matters would like to thank the Community Broadcasting Foundation for their generous financial support and the Community Radio Network for all their hard work in getting this program out to you, our listeners. Earth Matters was produced in the studios at 3CR Radio in Fitzroy, Victoria and broadcast all across these stolen lands we call Australia. The music you've heard today is from Massive Attack and the Free Music Archive. Our contact phone number is 03-9419-8377 and our email address is earthmatters3cr at gmail.com. We look forward to talking at you again next week on Earth Matters.
Global Intifada, bringing you current affairs through revolutionary and protest music from around the world. Every Thursday afternoon from 5 till 6 on 3CR. Because music is our bomb. Have you heard about 3CR's national programs? Coming at you on community radio stations around Australia, produced in the studios of 3CR Melbourne. Services will be cut, jobs may well be lost, and workers' entitlements will be undermined. Their basic human rights are as important as everyone else. Over 200 million years, individual species have evolved. I mean, birds were once dinosaurs. Anything nasty online seems to be targeted against women. Muckety is... A bad deal, but Muckley is absolutely not a done deal. You're listening to Women on the Line. Welcome again to Lost in Science. And welcome to another edition of the Radioactive Show. You've been listening to Earth Matters on the Community Radio Network. Hello and welcome to Accent of Women. Anarchist Wall this week. Listen to Beyond Zero, global warming science, solutions and action. You are listening to Let the Bands Play. Tune in to Stick Together, worker stories and union news. Grassroots Voice is broadcast weekly on the Community Radio Network. 